We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. As usual, stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes, and all of the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. Now, on to my guest for today, Tasia Gotham, founder and CEO of Career Engine, a performance automation platform designed to improve how workers are evaluated. Its aim is to ultimately democratize the performance ecosystem. Tasia started out flunking computer classes, but ended up getting an MBA and learning as much as he could about building a tech company, becoming a VP at a major company, and then launching Career Engine drawing on his own experiences as a manager. As many managers and employees know, most evaluation tools are antiquated and ultimately unproductive. Tasia's goal is to transform not only how employees are evaluated, but also how to improve workplace culture as well by identifying good managers. He talks about the necessity of trust between managers and employees and how to improve that noting that frequent check-ins are one hallmark of a good manager-employee relationship. Teja also started to build a community through his Substack newsletter called Future of Work, Future of You, where he shares ideas about good leadership and building a better workplace based on his own experience. He also writes about how becoming a father for a baby born in difficult circumstances with multiple disabilities transformed his approach and attitude towards leadership and business. Now, let's get better together. Tasia Gotham, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jari. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You are the founder and CEO of Career Engine, which is a performance automation platform, something to help people on the dreaded, absolute dreaded task of doing reviews. And I'm using air quotes so people can't see that. <laughs> as you know, the traditional review is some archaic broken process where every year someone says you're either great or you suck and you've got like no feedback to improve, which is, oh, I always found like absolutely horrendous. So you are trying to solve that most complex problem. But before we talk about that and before we jump into all that, like I always like to say, tell us how you got to do what you're doing today. Perfect. Yeah, thanks. Thanks uh, for that amazing introduction. Yeah, I think like you said, Career Engine is uh, all about putting more power in the hands of employees, right? I guess fundamentally what we are trying to do is to uh, democratize the performance, you know, performance ecosystem. What, what makes teams take, what makes teams get evaluated and, and assessed on a more real-time basis. And like you said, there are two key problems. One is, um, you know, you can ship code in 48 hours. You can sell a product in a week. 
you can generate revenue in hours today right but it takes you a whole 6 months to get a read on how someone is doing right and and that is really the crux of of what we want to get at um and as we speak to more and more leaders and and customers and managers uh you know we're realizing that it's it's been like this for for decades um i don't know if you remember when was the last time there was a multi billion dollar company that came out of the people technology i think it was maybe sap um uh, there's a company that sap bought success factors yes they're on the 101 <laughs> every time i drive down the one i mean they used to be yep yep i live in san now, francisco in my now the office is switched out now now they sold it out right like some yeah. stuff because i remember all catherine i used to see it all the time yeah they had the big so, heart it would beat and stuff <laughs> exactly yeah like that that heart used to say oh, oh finally i i used to live in san bruno so i said oh, okay i now need to get ready to drop out drop off at my station <laughs> exactly exactly um so yeah so i i guess uh, you know i think as as we have built the product right and and again we have been building this for for a while now we've realized that it's not just the the the, the problem that is important it's also the the psyche and the mindset of of who we are selling to because uh, there is a trust issue there is a performance issue there is a feedback issue but deep within there is a trust issue employees don't trust their managers managers actually don't have time for their employees right so it's a very transactional relationship today that is causing this whole you know issue around uh, you know people not wanting to work with each other people feeling hey you know my manager does not empathize with me he doesn't know i have a kid at home i cannot do i cannot be on zoom calls all day so there are two parts to the problem that we are trying to fix uh, with both our product and also the community that that we are building on the side one is obviously solving the core pain point of what can we do to fundamentally give more visibility and more participation to the teams right in a manner where now they are in charge of their career they are in charge of their growth they are in charge of their progression and 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 how do they further you know their performance at work right so that's one part of it but then the second part of it is that can we also go one step ahead and actually build a tool that allows the trust building to happen on our platform right where now you know a manager can think that hey you know i now have more information to make folks on my team more successful and an employee can think that hey now there is something that a manager is thinking about me on a day to day basis and it's not just about that big project that i'm supposed to deliver or that meeting i have to prepare for or that customer presentation which i don't do well i'll get screwed up right so uh, so that's a two, those are the two things that that we are focusing on and and i think the first part is the easier problem to solve but the trust building is a much much harder problem because honestly there is no product out there and you know you can look at lattice you can look at culture amp you can look at any and every you know billion dollar valuation uh, company out there and i don't think they're they're really solving the trust problem right um i mean yeah you can anonymize feedback still doesn't solve the trust problem right we're just hiding it right yeah um you know you know because you're you know just say hey let me just anonymize all the feedback let me just anonymize all the input so that no one knows who who it came from right but then at at the core of it you're still not encouraging you know people to have open conversations right yeah um yeah 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 so 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 somewhere i think you know we are we are sort of more glossing over the problem that really than really attacking it and and if at all there was a better time in human history to solve this problem it is now totally. because totally because never before has there been more power in the hands of uh, you know a, a common employee so to say right <laughs> you know where where he can choose to work the way he wants to he can choose the company he wants to work for um so i guess you know this is a right time to be building something and giving them that voice that will allow them to you know take this to the next level and also the realization part um now almost every leader and manager is facing the issue that hey it it now really hurts me the mm-hmm. fact that my people don't like me the fact that they leave me the fact that they are not productive the fact that they are burnt out it really hurts me because now it's they are like coming out in the open 
that sorry but i'm not going to do anything beyond 5 sorry but i'm not going to do take that extra project because sorry but i have a family at home right um so given all of these external inputs that we have uh, you know we've been sort of building iterating talking to a lot of folks and where we are today is that we have a product that is functional that is deployable with customers <clears throat> so we are live with about four customers a um, couple of them here in the us couple of them uh, back in asia uh, mostly in india and then uh, they've been using our product and platform they've been giving us feedback um, and then we have also been building uh, a small community on the side right so i've um, i've started a substack you know um, channel it's called futurexwork.com um where uh, i've i've come up with few concepts okay like they're like more think of them as more like uh, mental hacks to to get the concept across and and one of the concept is that of a dad lead okay so um so i put out my first article as a dad leader um few weeks back and essentially the concept behind that is uh, and maybe i think satya nadella is a great example right where uh, you know maybe if you were if you would have read his book he said that hey the fact that i had um, i had a child right who uh, who had certain disabilities it just had a profound impact on what that did to me as a leader right uh, and it completely changed the landscape of who microsoft was before he came along and after he came along right in terms of collaboration open source you know building for the world you know uh, turning it from sort of a money spinning machine to uh, you know something that is more accessible and reachable to the masses right so i've sort of you know gone on those lines and say that hey you know identify leaders who have gone through transformative experiences and i felt that you know i became a dad one and a half years back and it had a profound experience on me so i felt that if i could pick on you know dad leaders around the world and try to see what how that has impacted them maybe it's it's a way for us to build a better workplace right a workplace that is more empathetic that's more connected that's more progressive right uh, and honestly i know 10 great leaders who are also fantastic dads right so this fathers day i'm planning to uh, debut the dad leader series on my blog um and then you know i've lined up like couple of speaker couple of writers featured folks um who will help me on the journey mm. uh, but essentially that's sort of my my uh, sort of mouthpiece mm. to propagate the idea of what it takes to drive transformative leadership and mm. also build workplaces for tomorrow right interesting um so so it's it's sort of a community on the side where i want to bring like like minded people and somewhere i also see a massive overlap between you know leaders who think ahead who are not chained to the past and who have made dramatic transformations to their leadership style right hmm. um and and somewhere if we can bring the stories together you know we also have a very vibrant community of leaders who are at the forefront of trying to revolutionize the workplaces and workforce right um and and while the while all the you know writing and content will flow on disruptive work on future of work on uh, you know leadership on connectedness all that will still be there right yeah. um but what does it take to really uh, put together the building blocks for future of work mm. um that's that's what we are we are going after um so yes. so while while the product is obviously what it is but i think the community is closer to my heart mm. uh, because i think that's really what's going to drive a more philosophical change and even if it is like one leader at a time right. it's fine it's going to be slow and steady but you know we are going to make progress uh, you know every day and every week interesting yeah i mean there's a huge I don't know if it's a movement but uh, a lot of people really want community as part of their how call it brand or thought leadership. I mean I I always kind of poo-poo on the thought leadership idea but you know that's the what we have to go with, right? Yeah. Um 
but is do you think this is a more of a generational thing? I mean, how 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 do you see this cutting across generations? Because, like to your point about feedback and all that, I just remember, you know, I, I was I mostly worked in the technical fields before I did this PR and marketing gig, and technical managers are horrible. Like, <laughs> I could count on one hand how many good technical managers I've had. And I've been you know I've twenty five thirty year career right, maybe yeah. I could count five. And it was in, in maybe it's just the discipline or the generation, but yeah, there was none of this empathy, compassion, you know, there was just, I mean, it was pretty horrible to be honest, because the metrics for success were not like, even, even when I was a manager, like when I was managing employees, I was still like on the hook for technical stuff. And I was not really gauged on my management prowess. It was always my technical ability, which as a manager, that's like completely worthless because you're, that's not your job, right? Any manager leader's job is to amplify their people. Like you mentioned, like, how do I build better people? So I'm curious, is this a generational thing? Is it like a industry thing? I mean, what, if you, if you know, like what industries do this well, what industries really kind of suck at it? <laughs> I can almost imagine. So, so I, yeah. So, so I guess that's a pretty important point, right? And and I think you have to go back and figure out that um, are we like our organizations either even built to produce managers? And the answer is a no, right? That's actually a really good point. But fundamentally, that's true. That's true. I mean, like when you when you start out, no one tells you that hey, by the way, um, you've got to be good at coding, you've got to be good at project managing, you've got to be great at problem solving, and okay, collaboration. I'm, I'm a progressive organization, so I want you to be good at collaboration. But no one tells you how how well to manage yourself and to manage the work around you, right? So 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 what ends up happening is that uh, people who go on to become managers are not the ones who are great at management or leadership. They are the ones who were great at individual contribution. Yeah, in engineering, that's 100% true. And in engineering, that problem is massively amplified. Why? Because there is very, very, very little overlap between clanking away at keyboards coding and managing folks out there, right? Mm -hmm. If you pick sales, you pick marketing, you pick customer success, there is there's accidental overlap between what you do as part of your individual contribution vis-a-vis what might help you become a decent manager, right? Uh, and, and that's why you would see, um, you know, sales guys, you know, like become good leaders. Why? Because, hey, communication, I mean, if you don't communicate well, you can't sell. If you don't, if you don't have a good story, you can't sell, Right. Um, if if you cannot bring in an outside in perspective, you can't sell. So now a lot of these things also helps you become great managers. So the guys pick up as they get long, but with engineers, it's like, I don't think it's their fault. It's just the way the systems are set up. You go and ask, I've got like a ton of architects, you know, senior software developers who are my friend. And you go and ask any one of them, hey, do you want to become an engineering manager? Or do you want to become a principal architect? And in companies like Google, Facebook, LinkedIn, engineering managers are hated like crazy. Okay. Oh yeah, I mean Google tried to eliminate middle management. I remember this, and yeah. what a disaster! Because, I mean, this funny thing about engineers and the way that, and this is actually a really good test case, and I'm so glad you brought this up because, for whatever reason, engineers think that technology solves everything. Tech people yep. think technology solves. Does that's not true? Uh, full stop. But they always think, oh, we can be more efficient because we whatever, right? And the whole like Google experiment of eliminating middle management was, I mean, I'm glad they did it because it was an absolute unmitigated disaster, epic proportion that because you need, no matter what anyone says, no matter how much they're like middle management, the tactics and strategy that middle management they're the ones that take the leader, the thought, the the strategy from a high above and implement it, right? And it is just like it's just classic because throughout history, you know, the the one the one organization that you can kind of look towards to understand how organizational 
dynamics work is militaries, right? Yeah. Whether you're a fan or not, the military has organized in a way to be effective at killing and breaking things. Now, yeah. most companies don't kill and break things, but one that counts the most when it has to be cohesive, the whole thing, like those people know what they're doing. Yeah. And to try to muck with that, like thousands and upon thousands of years, it's like, yeah, good luck. <laughs> I mean, and and I think even even look at company like for example, um, look at McKinsey, right? Um, I mean, you know, my my brother my brother has been there for like what fourteen years now, and it's it's like a machine, man. Like the way that company works, it's like a machine, and there is no and there is a manager, but there is no concept of a manager because your manager is as good as your next project. Right. Yeah, McKinsey's pretty ruthless that way. Every kind of kind of consulting firm where the account manager, the executive account manager is sort of like they they're running their own little gig, but they need to pull resources in, right? But yeah, I mean it it's a consultancy with loosey goosey, you know, and, and and depending on how you organize it, it's fine. But yeah, you know, I'm you know, the McKinsey <laughs> I don't know if they've ever done their two by two matrix on themselves. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's Apple their whole that thing, example. right? Like, yeah, yeah. Even Apple, for for that matter, has got a pretty uh, similar hybrid sort of a structure, right? Where you've got an admin manager, and then you've got a functional manager, and your functional manager right. keeps changing hands, right? Whereas your admin manager is sort of that spectator, you know, that just keeps aggregating all the inputs. Uh, it it does help with the delegation, right? It does help with um, some bit of uh, you know hierarchical uh, division of labor, right? Uh, uh, across teams, and you know I think it also helps you move fast, um, and it also helps you innovate really fast, honestly, right? So so somewhere I guess uh, the the way the current manager hierarchy structure is obviously broken, but again it's not job it's not our job to fundamentally fix it, but um, there is definitely um, a room for us to uh, improve the way things are, right? Give more visibility into who's coming down the pipe. So down the line, if you know a platform like ours can go in, uh, you can say, okay, now I know out of these pool of twenty employees, who all are the most likely to become decent managers, right? Uh, or or who all are the people who need uh, investments on skills A, B, C uh, to to get there, so that it becomes a more proactive cycle rather than someone just looking at your grades at the end of the year and say, "Hey, you did like you you were just you had flying colors." So okay, you are the manager starting tomorrow, and everyone else, you know, you are not a manager. Uh, so I guess there has to be some method, and there are also has to be some uh, you know time investment that needs to happen into figuring out what drives the decision making of building a manager in first place and and if you if you make that right you have possibly solved half of the problem um, because then your pool of people are much better and then you can work with them you know otherwise you are where you are today where 95% of managers suck right i mean literally for wow 95 first- <laughs> that's I would say, okay, 95, I would say 80%, but we're, you know, we're, I always like the 80, 20 rule, right? Cause I think the 80, 20 rule applies to like most things. So like 80% yeah. of them are horrible. 20, hor- well, horrible is bad. Cause I think we, I see your point though. I mean, I think it's, the thing is the art of, so depending on the, on the company and the discipline, the art of management is not fully appreciated. Like yeah. Technical people do not appreciate the art of management. Full stop. 99% of them are like, this is dumb. I even yeah. thought, right? Before yeah. I got my MBA, I'm like, uh, yeah, this is stupid. Why don't we just do the work? This is the thing a good manager does for that. And I think I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because you might have some data on it. The good manager is the amplifier. It's the person that takes the three or four steps, the, the barriers three or four steps ahead out of the way. They're the ones that have to keep the big picture in mind. Whereas you, the code monkey, you're just like, yeah, I'm just driving my code in my yeah. mind. And for whatever reason, 
And it's hard to judge that effectively. That's why, I mean, it's interesting that you're trying to, you know, quantify that or in some way, it's hard to judge that because when it works, everything's just fluid. Like there's, it like just feels good, which is like kind of like marketing. Like no one really knows if marketing works until the sales go up and you're like, well, how did that happen? We're like, I don't know. You know, (laughs) it's just magic, right? Same with management. So I'm curious, do do you have like some, you know, you've got three or four customers. I think you probably, you know, you've kind of figured this out. You know, are there certain indications of good management? I mean, and we're harping on management because I think, again, to your point, like if 95% of them are bad, it'd be nice to figure out how to make them switch that metric to only 5% are bad. Yeah. yeah. See, I guess, I guess there are, uh, so there are two parts to it. One is that who you are fundamentally as a person, right? And, And then there are a few personalities that just lend themselves better to being a great manager, right? But if I take that out of the equation, right? If I take the personality out of the equation, I guess there's some best practices that make a decent manager, right? You know, the ability for you to have, um, you know, frequent check-ins with your team, right? I know it sounds super silly, but a lot of people don't do it. As simple as that. You know, a week goes by, a month goes by, three months go by, and suddenly it's an end of the quarter and they would say, oh, boom, I, I just never spoke to my guy, right? I don't know what's going on. And the next thing you see is a resignation and they say, okay, like what the hell happened here? So I guess that ability to keep connecting with people. And when I say frequent check-in, it's not just like a transactional 15 minute check-in. It's more about, hey, how are you doing, right? Are things okay at work, at, at, you know, on, on the personal front? How can I help you? Are you getting blocked somewhere? Um, you know, are you, are, you know, how can I support you? I think that is like that one thing that goes a long way in giving comfort your team members right uh you might be a pathetic manager but if you're talking to someone every month you know they will tend to have a less uh you know uh, sort of a negative opinion of who you are right because at least you're trying to help them out right so i would say that's that's one thing that has come about quite strongly that people who use our platform more frequently are the ones or who give feedback on our platform twice a week or once a week compared to once a month are the ones who will always, always do better on a manager index. Okay. And we actually capture a metric called manager index, which measures the ability, like the coachability of a manager for his team vis-a-vis all the other inputs around collaboration, um, you know, psychological safety and whatnot. So it, it tells us a sort of a perspective of how managers are stack ranking inside an organization, okay? And and I would say frequent check-ins is definitely one of them. Um, the other part I would say is, um, and, and I, I literally just, you know, wrote a LinkedIn post last week where I said that, hey, it's, it's, it's very easy to give destination to your team members, right? That, hey, go from uh, place A to place B. What's very difficult is to give them a dream, right? Or an aspiration. And this is something that I did as a mistake early on when I was a manager, when I was, when I came here seven years back is that I used to just give directions and destinations to my people and they just could not see anything beyond it, you know, because there was no aspiration built into the day-to-day work. So I guess as a manager, it's 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 really important, and and that aspiration could live inside your company. It could live outside your company. It could be something that hey, you know, you want to go become, um, you know, like a CMO, do these things at my company, and then go do an MBA, right? Now MBA is not part of your organization, but at least it's it's such a strong aspiration that the guy would move at two x the velocity. And I've had folks on my team. Where I've said them, look, I know you're not going to be with me for, you know, in two years, but for that two years, I want to make, I want you to make the best out of it. And if you do that, it would help you and it would help me incredibly, right? So giving them that dream or the aspiration is, is incredibly important. Um, And somewhere that can get captured in goals, right? You can have goals that are like more far-fetched it's not just hey hit this revenue you know you're gonna also have some aspirational goals and that's something that we are playing around with right now on our platform to say hey let's give every team an aspirational goal Hmm. right 
and that aspirational goal can just be the true north of every team member and you know it can just help keep them motivated that hey it's not just about this work that i'm doing this week it's like way beyond uh, you know in terms of the connect so i would say that's two um and then um, i would also say showing them the path because showing many a times path. what i many a times what i see happening is uh, oh. as a manager you you think it's too obvious you know because oh, you're yeah, you wrapped up in it for sure like, yeah. yeah that's a good point you've been there you've done that yeah. you know like you almost think you don't have to explain yourself but many a times you have to you have to like go that, that assumption mind. yeah like a, you like you you make an assumption that they know what's in your head like i know a yeah. friend who would always kind of like this was part of the, always the challenge in engineering because like engineering's irrational reasonable first order we don't break the laws of physics right we may bend yeah. them but we don't really break laws <laughs> And the output's pretty, not hard to measure, right? Yeah, you could do yeah. lines of code. You could do release. I mean, it's it's well to the point, especially with agile development, where like you just like your cadence is your cadence. Like, yeah, every three weeks we're going to do release. This is how many points it's going to, you know, like the whole, like it's very well defined. You can really like put it in a box, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so I guess I guess that's one of the things. Like you know, I mean, again, going back to my own experience, like you know, people used to say, you know, Teja, like you just went from step one to step four, and I think in your head you made the transition in thirty seconds. But I, for one, cannot figure it out. Like, so can you just tell me what the step two and three is were, right? Um, and I guess it's it's a muscle memory thing, right? You know, once you build it, you almost forget you're doing it, but actually you are. So you got to like, you know, recalibrate yourself. And 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 take it like you know from first principles that hey you're gonna do this then this then this because that that helps them in their mind also build the same muscle memory that you know you took so much time to build so I guess showing them the path is 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 extremely important because then you you're also giving them the tools for success down the road right you're not just giving them uh, like uh, a milestone you're also giving them the playbook right. and that playbook is is what is going to help them in the future and then they also remember you right that hey this was a playbook that i mean if if you look at any employee that remembers his or her manager you would say i just love this thing that you taught me how to do this step by step right that's the thing right. that people remember the most because it was so simple and it yet it was so powerful they were able to implement it over and over again and, and it made that made their life easy right yeah, yeah, um yeah. so 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 i would say these three things and then just one last thing was the ability to get recognized and not just get rated right and i think it's it's again a nuance there but so very often we are over eager to give feedback to the other person hmm. you know because we just want to rate hey it's like thumbs up thumbs down hmm. but it's it's a stuff you know behind that that really matters right and mm. and and somewhere i think we 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 never take time to tell someone that hey you know this is what you could have done better you know like you know two things here two things there um so instead of me just telling you that hey you were great at it either way by the way right even if you think someone was yeah. great at it you got to let them know what was it that they did fantastic exactly yeah. so hmm. they can you know replicate it over and over again and the same thing goes for something they were not so good at yeah you know what's interesting it's like cuz people tend to focus on the negative i mean that's this yeah. loss aversion this negativity we latch on to that like probably 5 to 10x more than praise it just i don't know i don't have any like solid numbers and data on it but i do know that loss aversion is a way more powerful signal than you know yeah. actual gain right and you you see this in the stock market all the time it's like yep, you know yep. people are not rational and reasonable because if you were rational and reasonable you would you would do the rational reasonable thing and you're not you're just not you're not a rational nor a reasonable person at least mostly i mean yeah we're a you know messy human that is a bag of emotions that sometimes we can control sometimes we can't control right to what you point your point about the recognition about the conversation 
I think it's the art of conversation that makes a great manager because see, most people know what they're good at and not good at. Like clearly, yeah, yeah you know, I didn't really do, but like me telling them that, I mean, what, what's my job? My job is not to, you know, again, this is my philosophy. My yeah. job is to amplify you so that you can do the best job you can. My job is to get rid of the barriers in your way. Yeah. And part of that is the dialogue. And I think this is what your tool helps is like the dialogue on how we're going to improve you. Right. I think in improving, if you're, if you're more along the lines of my jobs to amplify you and, and help you, that's a very different attitude than I need to make you more productive, quote unquote. Yeah. Right? And I'm, I'm, I'm just curious if, you know, some of what you guys are tracking and like the, the workflows and everything. I, I'm, I'm just curious how, how much it can be gained. Right. Cause so I, I think that it's an interesting idea, but you know how everything, you know, it, the, the old adage, if it's measured, it improves. If it's measured, it can be gained. <laughs> Cause I mean, that's my <laughs> thought. And, and I'm just thinking, what's the, what's the role of technology in that? What is the, what's the nugget? Cause I think, you're onto something. Clearly there's like a dynamic where we need to actually, we probably from a first principles point of view, need to teach people how to be better managers. So that's that for sure. Like if 95% of them are awful, that's, that's no, no technology in the world is going to solve that. But I think with what you're doing, you can make it easier for them to learn, Hey, this is actually more of a better management tool to get those conversations going so that you can, really do what your job is, which is to amplify the people around you and, you know, communicate, right. They used to always say in management school, a plan, organize, implement, and control P O I C. And you're like, yeah. okay. What's your thoughts on that? Yes, I guess. Um, so there, so there are two parts to it, right? Uh, I think even when we were building our product, there were three, there were three directions we could have taken. There was a whole, like you were saying, product, productivity track that was more monitoring that was more micromanagement and we said that no we don't want to do it it might be the right thing to do it in the pandemic times because that's when we we were building out the product we said no no that's not i mean build it for on how we would use the product do we want to become those customers if not then let's not build it that right so we just crossed out the productivity route and then we said that hey we have to take a combination of what it takes to drive um solid team performance and also build uh, a strong culture right because i think if performance goes with culture when it comes to a team then you can possibly build sustainable work environments right performance without culture is you know obnoxious it's toxic right uh, culture without performance is yeah when I mean, people start to treat it like a retirement job right that hey, everything is good there's no accountability um, if it's all about productivity, you know, eventually it leads to burnout and stress and, you know, again, eventually it leads into toxic workplace. So I guess a good balance of, um, having performance and culture would be a good way to build the platform. So that's, that's one part of it. Right. Uh, to your question on, uh, the fact that anything that can be measured can be gamed. Absolutely. Yes. Now the way to normalize that <clears throat> is to have more, um, sort of comprehensive data points. So you can pull in uh, peer feedback, right? You know, because generally, hey, hey, are we reinforcing reinforcing the biases that already exist in a team, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, a, if a manager hates someone, he will use that tool to say, hey, look, I told you, you know, this is what you are lacking. Yeah. And if he loves someone, he says, look, I told you, the tool says that you are graded. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so how do you how do you break that bias by yeah. saying, oh no, no, it's not just about the manager. It's also about his manager. It's also about the other peers. It's also about cross-functional folks. So in a manner where we also have more data points to just ensure that if there is consistent bias happening, our system is able to at least detect it. Yep. Right. Yep. And at least there are some action items that can be kicked up to say, Hey manager, are you really sure this guy is as bad as you yeah. think he is? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. No, that's actually, that's a, I'm glad you brought that up as a, as a very astute point because there is a ton of um, issues in 
What's interesting about that is there was, there's actually, it was a very, I don't remember what general it was, but there was a, was a cadet I, I, and he's a famous general. I don't remember his name, but what would happen is they, they looked at the reports from his commanding officers. And then they looked at his peer reports and the commanding officer reports. They're like, this guy's, you know, all bad stuff, like a little bit of a rogue or whatever. And they they actually instituted this policy, I think, partly because they know they knew that there could be bias. Right. But then they looked at the peers and the people underneath them. And this guy was like a stellar leader, like they would they would die on the hill for this guy. Right. Like literally, if he said, go charge the hill, they'd be like, yes, sir, we're going. And that's like amazing. Right. So to your point, that's a good, very I mean. Having those checks and balances is super important. Yeah. And also, you're also trying to go one step far. We're also saying that, hey, uh, peers have no clear accountability to each other, <clears throat> right? So how about identifying internal customers, right? So for example, if you are part of the customer success team and you're a customer success manager, uh, how about asking the sales manager who's working in the exact same account as you are to give you feedback? Because he will only give honest feedback because if not, then his own work would get impacted, right? Mm -hmm. So you're now sort of evolving the concept of a peer to identify for every team member who are their top customers. And it's almost like saying, hey, this guy is a product. Let, let me go and ask the customers who have consumed this product or service, right? Because they have absolutely no obligation to give positive or negative feedback either. They would give what it actually is, right? So, uh, so today, when every time an employee can highlight his work on our tool, he also has to mandatorily select a collaborator on the platform. Oh. And, oh. And, and that collaborator also has to give feedback and that collaborator also gets a badge in return. So it's like a two-way handshake where collaborator, you know, like gets brownie points for showing up for someone else. And then this team member can get validation from a collaborator who's not just his manager. And maybe this collaborator can also be a customer, like an internal customer, right? So then it also mm. encourages this process of accountability internally where it's not just about, hey, you know, good to have feel good feedback. Let me give you great badges. You also give me the same, but no, no, it's actually tied to actual work that's happening right. where it's more actionable. It's more tangible. It's more measurable and it's less, you know, like gamified in that. Measure. Yeah. Huh. Super interesting. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you get this right, it'll work. Yeah. And if you get it wrong, it goes wrong very quickly. <laughs> yep. Yep. You know? Yep. And I, you know, these whole like micro, you know, attaboys, it's like gamifying social media, right? Like you just get addicted to the likes and you just, you start to get depressed when you don't have that feedback. So I'm, I'm always like trying to figure out there's a balance. It's hard. This is, this is the, the art of management. This is absolutely yeah. or leading anything. It's the, the push versus the pull. It's the setting up the systems, excuse me, but more importantly, understanding the ramifications of when things go wrong or go bad or how to, you just don't want to be fooled, I think is the word I'm looking for. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. super interesting. Yeah. Yep. So I guess, I guess that's pretty much what, what we are working on. I know we're almost on the clock. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think, uh, you know, great chat by the way. So, I mean, I, I've, I've sort of come to love a lot of these chats around future of work. So I, I think you, you already know a shit ton about the space. I feel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and it's, what's interesting is like, again, the, the, it's, it's the conversation about what it, you know, like, how do I put words? And sometimes I've, I struggle with this because, I think you brought up like, oh, hey, you know, you got to talk to your customers and you have internal customers and external customers. And once you understand that dynamic, then this is a very valuable kind of methodology attitude to have, right? Because 
you have there's all any all companies have all these stakeholders and and they're all trying to figure out how to work better together and then of course some are psychopaths and they want to like figure out how to you know sociopathic nutcases and then then but it but it's the communication dynamic that builds the culture and i think what we're yeah. talking about is and again a, a very fascinating way to go about it it's like okay we we have a culture we want to reinforce the culture we want to give feedback. We want to be collaborative, but we don't want to like do what normally happens, right? Is get people pigeonholed into things, or if there's a bad interaction or someone doesn't like someone, you know, you get you get these dynamics because we're we're messy humans and people are messy and it's hard to understand. And you know, sometimes it doesn't work out and that's fine. But yeah, super cool. Yeah, cool. Well, hey. Appreciate your time. This has been really, yeah, you know, inspirational, informational, you know, just like, it's always cool to like see the cutting edge of this. I think there's something that's going to happen soon, especially given all the remote work and the great resignation yeah. and all people are just, people want a better experience at work. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Thanks so much, Teja, for being on the show talking about a very important subject. I know all those silly uh, <laughs> reviews. Well, they're not silly, but boy, I've had some really bad ones in my career. So anything to do to help that, I think is a good thing. So as promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Tasia. Certain personality types are more likely to become good managers, but managers can also learn to be better by improving skills and communication and feedback and building trust with employees. So, yeah, I mean, boy, I think the most important thing is trust. Trust and uh, a little bit of compassion and respect for each other. But uh, if your employees don't trust you, uh, you're going to have a hard time learning <laughs> about what's going on, right? So really ask yourself these questions if you're a manager. You know, how can I build trust? How can I show and demonstrate that I'm trustworthy? And it's also reciprocal, right? I mean, if you have people that don't, that you don't trust, you need to work on that as well. So, you know, make sure you kind of go both sides of that. Tasia recommends that managers and leaders should encourage their employees to have an aspirational long-term goal. It doesn't necessarily have to be linked to the company. It may mean that the employee eventually leaves, but the result will be a higher performance worker. Yes, having um, a goal, big goal, um, you know, kind of the big idea kind of out there in the world, I do think it's a good idea. It has to be something aspirational and something difficult, um, even if it's outside your company, as you mentioned, which is important because you know what? Excuse me. Sometimes people, they leave because they either haven't, you know, they've plateaued, kind of hit their limit, or, you know, it's just time for them to go. So kind of ask yourself those questions, you know, what can they learn from this experience? What can I learn? Um, how to define that big goal? Even again, even if it's outside the company, it's important because you you want to have a, a sense that you're like fostering growth. Growth and learning is important, um, and people respect that. Another way managers can help their teams improve is by making sure to be explicit about the steps to be followed. Many managers make assumptions about what is obvious. Check in with your employees and make sure they have the information they need. Yes. <laughs> we used to have a joke um, in, man in management. As soon as the manager said it, they thought it was done, <laughs> which is true. I mean, honestly. So as a boss, as a leader, as someone that's telling people what to do, it may be obvious to you. It may not be obvious to them. So, you know, ask them to repeat it back to you. Say, hey, can you just tell me? kind of what you think I said, because communication is not about what you said, it's about what is heard. And I learned this the hard way and as well as having to practice this. It's what is heard. It's what's repeated back. It's not what you said, because you could say things all day and people could be completely out of, you know, like, hey, we don't, we're not, they're not paying attention. So, and not because they don't want to, it's because they're maybe busy or whatever. So ask yourself the question, Am I communicating clearly the objectives? Do they understand what I've said? Ask them to repeat back what they what you what what they what you said so you can see what they heard. Remember, it's not about what you say, it's about what they hear. That's that's a very important thing as a boss because 
even in your mind, when you say it, you may think it's done. It's never done until they say it's done, right? So there you have it, the actionable insights from my awesome interview. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.